Nice to see everybody out this morning. I don't know if you're like me, that when the sun shines like it is this morning, it's hard to hard to have a, any bad thoughts. It somehow brightens up our day. For our text this morning, I'll read from a very familiar portion, third chapter of Revelations. And we have this writing to the Church of the Laodiceans. So I'll read from the third chapter of Revelations, from the 14th verse to the 22nd, the end of the chapter. Reading these words in Jesus' name. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the, be- the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked... I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiply to each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. We see in the in the very first words in the book of Revelations, I think Shane has pointed this out, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if we if we look at, at many of these things and, and don't understand them as, as it is with me, uh, we don't have to think that there's something odd or strange about that. But if we read these things and pray that God would open this word, I believe he, he can reveal to us the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I have had this question in my mind like with the these scriptures or these bibles that are written they call them the red letter edition and <clears throat> excuse me all that all that Jesus speaks is is written in red and and I believe this is Jesus speaking in in revelations and I was kind of pondering that that why isn't that written in red and it it's possibly because and and this is only my own my own thoughts is that this was a this was a, a vision that this this isn't when Jesus was here on earth as he was <clears throat> in the form of flesh and and speaking and teaching but it's it records a vision that 
that John had. So, so it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified, signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And this, <clears throat> I'm in trouble with my voice. This, uh, takes in every one of us as individuals this next verse blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand and then we see we see some of these um, openings to these churches unto the church of Ephesus right these things saith he that holdeth holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So we, we can only see this as Jesus Christ. I don't think anyone else. See if I can see some others. These things, unto the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. This word is is that sharp two-edged sword under the church of under the angel of the church of Sardis right these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of god and the seven stars i know thy works that thou hast a name <coughs> that thou livest and art dead and then i read the one of the laodiceans these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So <clears throat> these are these are teachings from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and revelations that He has. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. These are written to these <coughs> churches in Asia and admonition. I know some have this, what do you say, a thorn in their side or something about, about teachings that are, that are upbraiding us or giving, giving too much instruction. They want to, they want to just focus on praising God and and hearing all the good and those those things that make everybody happy and make everybody feel like they're a Christian. But these these words from our Savior Himself are warnings. There are the good things here that He He tells about. Um, in in the Angel of the Church of, in Philadelphia. I guess I missed that one. It says, These things saith he that is holy, and he that, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. So there's blessings to, to those that are able to do those things. Here he... He, he gets after these 
Laodiceans. It says that they're, well, they're like a lot of people today. They're, they're like nations that when there's war, they, they take the neutral stand. And we might not see that as being that bad a thing. I think Switzerland took a neutral stand in Second World War, and we might say that they were, they were like, they would be like a mouse trying to take on an elephant or something with their size. But when, when we take the neutral stand, we, we may not be supporting the bad, but we're, we're doing nothing about fighting against it either. And, these kind of things, I think, give that, what the scriptures speak about here, that lukewarm feeling. They're, they're not zealous for the good or the bad. They're, they're taking this, this stand that, they, they, they really don't take a stand, is, is the stand they take. But he says, I know thy works, <clears throat> that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. And we know that when this, when this word does its work in our hearts, and we all have, I'm sure we all have experience with this, that when this word does its work in our heart, we can, we can have either one or the, one or the other feeling. If we, if we disappear from the scenes of, of gathering around the word, and do our own thing and go out into the world and enjoy the pleasures of this life. And, and the Apostle Paul even speaks of his former life and he was zealous. And we might say he was, he was in, in a hot condition in, in his zeal and in his, his ways. But when it came to standing up for what's right, we know that he was, he was not doing that. And he didn't see himself as being cold. I'm sure he saw himself as, and I'm sure all his, I'm sure there were many other fellow workers. The scriptures don't speak about too much about that, but doing the same thing he was doing. And they would probably gather and discuss their work and, and maybe pat themselves on the back to one another that they're, they're out there accomplishing things and some great things. But we see in the light of the scriptures that it says of, of Saul that he went about making havoc of the church. Not a good thing. So the instruction is here that we would be one or the other, cold or hot. And both of these things come from the hearing of the word and the being being around the word and being familiarized with the word that when the, <coughs> excuse me when this word works <coughs> when this word works in our heart we find out what we are in the, in the presence of a omnipotent god a powerful god a God who, without the intermediary of a Savior that we have, Jesus Christ, we cannot approach him. It's, it's impossible for a man to approach him. Men do all kinds of things 
trying to appease him and approach him. And we know that, not because we're so smart, but we know that because his word tells us that, that there's no way they approach him. In Isaiah it says there, I can't remember the the exact verse that that says that, that these people are doing all these great things and they wonder why God doesn't hear them. And then it goes on to say, is not this the fast that I have chosen? We don't, we don't choose that fast where, where we bow down our head as a bulrush and, and impress people, impress other men and try to reach God. We find, we find that happening that we don't reach in that way. But it says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. These all, these all speak of a, speak of sin. Undo the heavy burdens. Set the oppressed free. That's, that's the walk we are supposed to take and choose. In the light of the power of this word and what it does and works in us, we find ourselves cold. We find ourselves not able to to come to or, or be around the, the warmth of the word and, and enjoy, if I can, can use that word, the, the fellowship, the peace, and, and all those comforting things that the word can give us. We, don't, we, we find ourselves out in the cold, we might say. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Hot meaning mean that we are walking with our Savior. And He is doing the work. We're, we're simply, uh, we might say, a part of His plan that way. We don't take any credit for it. We don't take any credit for coming into this world. We don't take any credit for being coming a child of God or being a child of God from our from our birth even. But we're just thankful that that God's hand has been extended to us. And he says, Because so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So that's that's the the reward that we get if we go through life in that state. I, I, I say of, of so many things that happen in, in this, this world of, of darkness and men's own understandings that, that, and I guess I get, I get worked up about things that happen, uh, even, even in our area, and, and it's, it's because of our massive population that's come into Alberta in the last 15, 20 years, and then of course half the people out of work and there's crime and I get worked up about it and upset and and chewing my tongue about it and I think it's come to me that how how Jesus said of, of some that they have their reward. Their reward is these things. Their reward is their crime, their reward, their reward is their lifestyle. And that's, in the, in the light of this word, it's absolutely nothing. It's useless and worthless and of no value to anybody. So our reward waits for us on heaven's shore.
we, we are rewarded in this life. We're, we're rewarded in, in, in so many ways. Jordan mentioned in his prayer the blessings, all the blessings we have. But our eternal reward is not something we will receive in this life. We have hope of that reward. It says of Abraham, he had, he had hope when there was no hope. Hope beyond hope. So if we have and take on and, and get our kicks out of the rewards that this world offers, it says, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God speaking there. That's going to be our reward. It's not good. It's not something that we want to look forward to. And this is the reason. It's, it tells the condition of these people's hearts. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. This is how, how it is in these days. And, and these days are much like the days of Noah. Where it says that men were, men were that way. They, they feared nothing. They didn't have any idea where they were, where they were headed or where they came from. They were enjoying the pleasures of this life. So so if we have that thought in mind and occupying our, our thinking, I am rich, I am increased with goods, I have need of nothing. This word is left out. This word is not a part of their lives. And know us not. So they're they're of they're of that ignorance we might say that that they don't have any idea of exactly where they truly are in the light of this word. It says, "Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked." These are all conditions that the word deals with, and the Holy Spirit deals with in our lives. And I think we could we could put all those. All those things under that one little word of sin, called sin. But men, <coughs> men love, as we read in, in the third chapter of John, how, how God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. And it says of those unbelieving people, it says that they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And then it goes on, so so plainly and so simply to explain what, what we can do about that. Bring our deeds to the light. So here it says says of all these conditions that they truly are. And this this is in the light of we might say the first part of that verse is in, in the light of their own understanding. And the second part of the verse is when we put things up against this word. And this word enlightens us and shows us these things. Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. If we were just to put those words in front of in front of anybody, I don't know if there's anybody on this earth that would want to think, well, that that that's where I am, and I'm proud to be there. They, they would say, no, I don't I don't want to be there. I don't want to be classified in that group. So he says, Jesus' words here, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Sometimes I think this word, word uh, buy, 
confuses us. So I looked up a couple of references. the 13th chapter of Matthew, the 44th verse, and there's there's several things Jesus speaks about that, that uh, outlines or gives us an idea of what it is, what this kingdom of heaven is like. This one says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof go, goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. I don't think we have to worry about about money or or sweat equity in these kinds of things. Which which when we use that word buy, this this society we live in, it's you know, you can hardly hardly go out the door with have without having to buy or sell something to to make your way through this world. And it's not talking about that. I believe it, it talks about coming in possession of something. So it says that he sells all that he has and he buys that field. So when we sell something, and, and I'm probably the worst at it, that I gather lots of junk around the place and, and uh, it's it's a lot easier to take it in than it is to sell it to somebody. I found that out through the years. But it's talking about giving it up. If if we have if we have an item in in, in this natural world world if we have an item that's real dear to us, we might say it's harder to give up. If we have an item that we just as soon not have on the place, it's quite easy to give up. So. These are these are speaking of of things that are dear to our heart, not ne- not necessarily material things, uh, possessions. I mean, but but things that that we don't want to give up. We don't want to give up ideas. We don't want to give up theories we have. It says that this man sees a treasure. I'm not sure what this means that he hideth. But it says, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. He realizes that these things I'm hanging on to, and and they can be material things, but they can also be theories and ideas and loves of this world of, of one kind or another. He realizes that these things have no value, no eternal value. And he gives them up. He sells them. He, he, he's not in possession of them any longer. He, and, and that's what I say. We don't, don't always think of, of monetary things when it, it talks about buying and selling. He gives up those things that he has and he buys that field. And in, back in Isaiah in the 55th chapter, and I think this is, is one that we're all familiar with. Isaiah says, first few verses ho everyone that thirsteth come ye to the waters remember how it was that Jesus tells the Samaritan woman at the well there is first speaking of the physical water give me to drink Jesus says but that 
it's like a parable and then all of a sudden he is speaking of deeper things and more important things he says I have this water to give you if, if you receive of this water it, it will be a well of water springing up in you springing up unto eternal life it, it brings forth hope it brings forth eternal life that hope of eternal life Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the water. So we're not talking about about being out in a desert and then coming across some water if, if we're physically thirsty. He that hath no money, here we're speaking of, of monetary things again. It doesn't take money to buy this or to come in possession of this, this uh, we might say this good or, or I don't know how else to word it, these good things. Come ye buy and eat. Come, yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come, come in possession of these things. Come in possession of these eternal things. These things that will feed us and quench our thirst. Not only here, but forever. And then it goes on and says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. We can't sit down at a table as, as we're going to have here after the service and, and have our soul delight itself in the, in the eating of, of dinner. So it's speaking of, of more than just the natural side of things. Eat, eat that which is good. Let your soul de- delight itself in fatness. And then it says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So we come in possession of these things. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire of that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. That white raiment, of course, is is the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's that's the clothing we should put on. And I don't I don't mean to pick on you ladies, but there it says in the one place that 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 don't let your beauty be be the the makeup and the jewelry and the clothing, but but rather that hidden man of your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the riches that will, I would say, shine when all things are over in this world that will still be alive and well. White raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Clothe yourselves in this in this word. Close your clothe yourselves in in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. When, when, we, when we come in the presence of this word, spiritually we're found naked. We, fi- we find that we have no covering. We are, and, and even, even confessing faults one to another. We open up any covering we might have. And, and we can't do this of our own strength. This word gives us strength to do that. I remember in my own uh, experience, hearing older preachers speak 
of this word and speak of the blessings that come with being a child of God and putting away sin. And I, I knew I was a sinner and I knew I had specific things for sure that I had to make right with people besides the fact that we're, we're basically our human nature is at enmity with God. And I knew what I should do, but I, I struggled for some years. How in the world can this ever take place with me? Seems like others are able to put away things, but I have no idea how it could ever be possible with me. But then we know that this word can open up our our physical mouths and our hearts to do what this word bids us to do, put away sin. And we can hear from a brother or sister or any loved one who has been given faith to believe in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can believe that these things are forgiven. In the precious name of Jesus, And then we are partakers of the greatest riches the world has ever known, or will never know this world, if we use that term. Put on this white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. It's a covering for us. We see that that example of, of Noah when after the flood and and it's it's a mystery to me why some of these stories are are put in there or why they ever had to happen with with such a man of god as he was but he says he planted a vineyard and of course he must have made the wine and fell into that evil of drunkenness And his sons covered him. Two of his, one of his sons, if I remember right, one of his sons sort of spread that about that, that look at what our father has done. The other two covered him with some kind of a robe, I forget what it was. But it's a picture that our sins are covered. The nakedness does not appear anymore when our sins are covered. Our sins have to be covered in that, with that robe of righteousness. And anoint thine eyes with, with eye salve that thou mayest see. All of a sudden we begin to see. We see the Apostle Paul who was called Saul. And it says that he was blinded for I think three days. And these men that were traveling with him had to lead him into the city of Damascus where they were headed and he was three days without his eyesight but when I, when Ananias laid his hands on him and proclaimed unto him what was happening and that he could believe his, his, the scales fell from his eyes he could see again And the instruction here then goes on, and and I guess I've repeated this so many times in my speaking years. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. 
God rebukes us and chastens us often. And I would say for myself, I need it. It says here what to do about it. Be zealous. Don't don't worry like I did of how can this ever happen. Find faith. Find encouragement in this word. Find encouragement in, in brothers and sisters in Christ. And strength will come to, it says, be zealous therefore and repent. And I have, I have a little problem with some of these modern preachers and their ways when, when we don't hear the word repentance too much. Because the scriptures talk about it a lot. And Jesus' first words when he started preaching was repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near. It is nigh. It is here. It is with us. In here, in a, here, it is amongst us. Even as Jesus is. So is this forgiveness amongst us. If man will only repent. And I believe it's, it was Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost that used that word also, that they would repent and believe. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't elbow his way in or knee his way in, but he simply stands there knocking. That's this word coming to us and working in us. We don't want to resist that word. We would want to be obedient to that word. And this, these few words here tell us how to be obedient. It says, he stands at the door and knocks. Not everybody responds to that hearing of that knocking. But it says, it says if any man hear my voice, we might, we might think his, his knocking on the door is just a, just a kind of a rapping on, on, a, on a wooden door or something. It's more than that. It's the voice of the good shepherd is what's doing the knocking. If any, if any man hear my voice, it doesn't say he stands there speaking or calling or, or saying anything. It says I stand there and knock. and knock's on the door. But we know that it's this word that does the knocking. It's, it's the word that we hear. If any man hear my voice and open the door, we respond to this voice that we hear, this knocking, by going to the door and opening it. We're given faith to believe that good will come of opening that door, being obedient to this voice we hear. And the promise Jesus says is that if any man hear my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And I will sup with him and he with me. What a promise that is. What beautiful words. He communes with us. His greatest desire is that we would open that door. His greatest desire is that, that he could come in to our hearts. That we would not let him in because he, he uh, 
knocked the door open or, or kicked it open or elbowed his way into our lives, but that we would be willing. We would want him to come in. We would ask him to come in. To him that overcometh. What is it we overcome? We overcome that war and that warfare and battle we have. The world would want us draw want to draw us to the left, and the voice of Jesus draws us to the right. We all have a left hand and a right hand, and scriptures. I would say they they uh, use that, so so it's such a simple thing. Even even in our political uh, ways that that run this world, we speak of the right and the left. Jesus would want us to come to the right all the time. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh I will grant to sit with me in my throne. There was that story where the mother wants to know uh, from Jesus that will my sons be able to sit with you and and Jesus says that this isn't mine to give this isn't that isn't his his calling but i think that we can have these understandings with our natural minds and and we don't see the big picture it says here that if we if we overcome if we're if we're able to by faith and by encouragement from this word and by encouragement from our brothers and sisters, make that decision or make that move that God would lead us. He will always lead us in the right direction and we will overcome. When Jesus died on the cross, he overcame. He overcame those things that we can't overcome of ourselves. The word teaches us that, that Jesus became sin for us. Why did he have to come? Why, why was the way of salvation set in order the way it was? I don't know. But the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice. We, we, can't, we couldn't come up with any sacrifice that would be acceptable to God. We know that if, if you started writing things down, the, the, the things men have have tried to make a sacrifice as you could you, you could write forever and never come up with the end of that list. But Jesus being the perfect sacrifice laid down his life to overcome all that is wrong. And I have said like from a bad thought passing through our mind to all the terrible things people fall into. He overcame that. He has power over that. And we, given faith to believe in this word and this work that Jesus accomplished, we can overcome with him even as he overcame. 
to, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. We see that Jesus <clears throat> was here for 33 years or so, and he left this world. And then he came back shortly for, I forget, was it 50 days or something, in a glorified condition. And this glorified condition was withheld from the unbeliever. Only believing people saw him. And it's a picture that only believing people will have Jesus revealed to them here even in this day and age, or ever since then. We wonder why Jesus had to come to this world, the perfect being he was. Spend those years here in, a, in an unwelcome world. We don't have much to offer him. We have nothing to offer him. But he came here and lived and died and rose again, as I said, in a, in a glorified being, glorified state, that we can spend eternity in heaven with him. He's back with his father now. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let us plead to our Heavenly Father that he would give us that ear. That we could, as uh, it'll never happen that we plumb the full depths of this word, but the promises are there in place for us that he will give us in abundance, those things that are necessary for us to reach heaven's shore. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we receive the benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.